So here's the legal bit. Code 21 is a work of fiction. Any similarity to actual persons living or dead or actual events is purely coincidental. Relocations have been used, however, no inference should be taken that fictional or even similar events have taken place at these locations. These fictional stories have been told to give a general impression of policing in a recently bygone era. Some of these stories deal with death and trauma, suicides and murders. Should you be suffering from mental health issues or have concerns for another person, please stop listening and contact a medical health professional or your doctor. Code 21 is recorded in front of a recently deceased audience. Right, we're back. It's part nine. two of what are we call this one? Skeleton? Uh, yeah. Or Where's Piglet? Where's Piglet? Can we call it Where's Piglet? I like that. Yeah, I quite like it too. Okay. It's Episode good. two of Where's Piglet? So, um, we left this episode. On a cliffhanger. On a cliffhanger because mm. of uh, the condom. The condom. We found a condom inside a sleeping bag. One yeah. of two sleeping bags, only one dead body. Du, du, du. Right, well, let me. So, let me yeah. now tell you my my side of this, and it's not going to be. Just before exactly you do, the this is the truth according to. Uh, yeah, um, Bob Moon and Roy yeah, McRae, yeah. and, and no fuckers going to believe it. Anyway, it's all fiction. Just to reiterate, just before we start, because it's start of a new episode. On you go. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. This is this is complete fiction, and none of this um, happened. So, so uh, picture the scene. I am happily sitting in my little road policing crash investigation office with mm-hmm. a big computer with a big screen mm-hmm. minding my own business yeah looking at auto trader on google so that's all you're interested in cars cars motorbikes yeah. motorbikes love a motorbike oh, yeah. so, whole, epi- there, whole episode of motorbikes to follow minding my own business probably working away in some fatality or something that's um, lots of maths lots of calculations being a geek auto trader google auto trader google <laughs> what you were doing ebay <laughs> eBay, yeah, that's right. More, but eBay trying to find a TVR. <laughs> I love TVR. I know. Yeah, love TVRs. They were amazing cars. And, um, yeah. yeah, five of them. Yeah, Every all bought in fucking eBay. And they all broke down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, one was from a TVR dealer. I digress, right. Yeah. Um, so I'm sitting there minding my own business when this simple slobbering orangutan of a cop <laughs> crashes into the office. Swearing, no S- doubt. Swearing a lot. Yeah. It says CID cunt <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Something like that <laughs> I need a, a Professional Responsible Trustworthy Officer I would imagine I'd have ranted For probably About two minutes More than that I think I'd tell you <laughs> Before you understood sit What you was down, happening <laughs> Sit you down Calm you down uh, Tell you it would all be Alright there Don't <laughs> Not to worry there, Lots of there 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 Don't hit him Yeah What have you done now And uh, yeah. I in exchange for a Chinese meal, which is an odd thing for it to stick in my head, but I do remember that. I was did I buy you a Chinese Did I ever buy you? Yeah, oh, we, we definitely did have it. Oh, yeah, well, okay. We, we, Paid my debt then. Yeah, so in exchange for which I was to go and rooting around and... <laughs> a sleeping bag. A, well, I didn't know that at that stage, but anyway. So, so you already have the production book. Yes. Which you've ranted about because you've said it's not been done properly. No, it's hardly done at all. Oh, I can, honestly, my nine-year-old could have done a better job. 
Uh, and we go down to the police store, a bleak garage, a bleak production store. Which you've described very well in episode yeah. one. So we go in. So we have to picture this in here. It's got like a shutter door that's also got a little door in it, as I recall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. like a garage within a garage. And you go in, and it's got that dank, horrible, musky, musky smell, of barely lit, yeah. fluorescent lamp. Yeah. So we've got torches, and we're going in. We've got rubber gloves on mm-hmm. because this is not going to be nice. It's not going to be nice. Yeah, that we're not thinking about uh, crime scene preservation. Yeah. We're, we're thinking about we're about to root, root about and and yeah. de- decomposing. And stuff. You were quite clear. We're going. This is all about piglet. Piglet. Yeah. Uh, you know. So we go in. And my first thoughts, knowing a little bit about the story, so you've told me that he, I mean, I remember going up with the mobile police office and the whole thing with uh, our well, friend who didn't want to stay yes, 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 which yeah. you were very cruel about, but on you go. Well, I was quite no, cruel, and I have yeah, to say, no. that's quite undeserved. She was actually a very good cop. But... No, she wasn't. Move on. Okay. <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay, the cell doctor feel good. I thought she was quite an attractive cop, but that's not the same thing. Um, so we... We go in, and I know a little bit about it, but I suppose here, I'm, I'm going to slightly expand on my background here, because this is oddly really relevant. I'm not doing this as an ego trip, but yes. it's because it's factually true. Shut at you. Yes. So, uh, when I was... And the TA. A university student. <laughs> <laughs> I, I joined what was then part of the TA, so it was a thing at university called uh, the Officer Training Corps. Uh-huh. For people who are natural in command position so you would not know Fuck about this me yeah, yeah. so yeah. um i joined this and i got very bored very quickly i mean like mm-hmm. within the space of about six months mm-hmm. so i wanted to go to the paras i went to dp company and then from there i went away and did sas selection now we're not going to talk too much about this because, thank god thank god i know but other than to say uh, and most people are probably have an inkling of this from watching tv reality shows but they're not that grounded in reality and uh, basically uh SAS selection at the time consisted of a lot of walking. So basically, it built up. You started off uh, walking with your DS, the directing staff instructors, mm-hmm. in a group of say eight of you, mm-hmm. and you maybe went out and walked. Is 20. it like? Is it like you know when cruise ships come in, the, the Chinese and American folk, there's somebody with a flag at the front, and you all follow behind them. Exactly. Yeah, yes. they're an umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Right, so you go and you basically walk through the mountain. One of the famous ones is Fan Dance, which, uh, yeah, so basically I think four hours, ten minutes or something, 22 miles, and mm-hmm. uh, through the mountains. And you basically, these build up, and they they build up to a penultimate and ultimate walk, which uh, the, the basically you then had an RSM's test weekend before them to make sure you were suitable mm-hmm. to be submitted for them. That you could walk. That you could walk. Yeah. And the last one, Long Drag, was mm-hmm. its name, or sometimes mm-hmm. called endurance. Endurance, yeah. Okay. Seventy-five kilometres. It's a long way. It's quite a long way. There, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Through the Brecon Beacons, mm-hmm. lots of mountains. Yeah. Or when the IRA were a bit of a threat, it was actually done in Pennines, but I'm digressing slightly. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, it's you on your toad. No, no man in front of an umbrella. Is, no tour yeah. guides tell no. you. <laughs> As you put it, uh, with a rifle, uh, you're webbing. You carry everything you need. Now, there's been a lot in the press because, uh, obviously, they did monumentally have a problem with three fatalities. Yeah, uh, it killed people. The Breckens, yeah. which yeah. was actually on fan dance mm-hmm. um, because of heat stroke. Yes. So, and it was very, very hot the year I did it. But basically, um, to cut a long story short, you, you walk this. The cut-off times 
uh, back in in my time. So the cutoff time is deciding the day, but you don't, as a participant, know it. You right. don't know the cutoff, and you don't know the route. Right. So every time you get to an RV point, you give your number. They basically say, right, your next RV point is, then give you a grid reference, and off you go. <clears throat> and uh, so you're covering a lot of lot of distance with your rifle against the clock, but you don't know what the clock is. Mm-hmm. And if you finish it in a certain time, then you pass, and mm-hmm. you go into uh, continuation training, mm-hmm. and further stages of selection, which okay. calls resistance to interrogation, all that stuff. You, you're out in the mountains against the clock, and depending... If you finish within the, this set time, you can carry on and then potentially mm-hmm. uh, be what's called badged and, and end up as a serving member of the squadron. Yes. Uh, or, if you were one hour under that time, mm. at the time, mm-hmm. then potentially you could then access continuation training uh, for 22 SAS. So there's three SAS regiments, 21, 22, 23. Anyway, I'm digressing hugely here because the reason this is all relevant is... First of all, I had done this and served uh, in one of the squadrons for four years. So you know your way about a pair of walking boots? I know my way around a pair yeah. of walking boots. Okay. I know what you have to do to walk a long distance. And and I know what? the kit you need to take. Yes. And yes. I'd also, at the time, Indeed. had a bit of a midlife crisis. And yes, I, was, I remember. It was very funny. Yeah. And I was trying to uh, <laughs> run the West Island Way in a day. Do you remember that? Yes. Uh, West so, Island Way for our, our non-walking or, or yeah, non-Scottish people. Outskirts of Glasgow in uh, a place called Mulgai. Mulngavi, <laughs> depending <laughs> if you're from Mulngavi. Um, <laughs> and goes out through the kind of rural surrounds of Glasgow to the foot of Loch Lomond up the east side of the loch. Becomes increasingly scenic and mountainous up through Bridge of Orkey, uh into King's House Hotel and over yeah, towards all that uh, devil's staircase and ultimately lands at Fort William. Can I uh, say a wee important bit about it that is very, very relevant to this case? Yeah, go for it. It's very, uh, most people, if not all, let's call it 99.99999% of people will start in Milgai and end in Fort William. The reason behind that is, as you just said, it becomes more scenic. You're leaving the city, walking into the highlands, and you end up in the uh, Islands of Scotland and Fort William at the foot of Ben Nevis. It's very, very rare to leave Fort William and head towards Glasgow. So much so that it would almost be like, <clears throat> I think I'm right in saying it would almost be like a car coming down the wrong side of the road of a motorway. Yes. You would stick out that much. And if you were laden down with a ridiculous amount of non hill walking kit, you would stick out even more. Yeah, there is actually amongst West Highland wares, there's a, a, some derogatory term for folk doing it the wrong way around. Right. Because like you say, it's by like someone trying to canoe back up the Grand Canyon or drive down a one-way street yeah. the wrong way, it's weird. So if Nigel was walking from where his car was to where the hotel was on such a walk, a similar to walk like that... He's got to bump into everybody. Not only that, when Nigel became a missing person, a very publicised one, people who were walking the right way would have went, oh, that was that weird guy that was walking the wrong way on that yeah. very similar walk. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody ever made that phone call. Indeed. Just wanted to make that point. No, no, it is a very, very good point. um, And the last bit of this this kind of route uh, kind of opens up. You're on top of the Rannoch Moor. So it's quite open. You can see people for long distance. But basically from where uh, this this car has been dropped off, this Audi A2, which is at the end of this route. And down, down to where the skeleton has been discovered mm-hmm. is a good 45 miles. I mean, it's a long way. I, I think I, I 
I did the googly thing once. I'm going to call it 43. So yes, you're right. 43, yeah. 45 miles. It's, it's a long walk. It's a long walk. So even if you were in full SAS selection mode, it's it's probably 21, 22 hours with Ken. Mm-hmm. You're up to very nearly your 75 kilometres, aren't you? Yeah. You know, it's a big walk and... And that's stormy on, and if you were doing that, you would absolutely be noticed because you'd be soaked in sweat and running like so you, an idiot. You've, you've got a couple of options. You do that in one day, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because you're going the wrong way. Or you stop overnight. You stop overnight, and if you stop overnight, someone there is going to remember the man who stopped overnight is wearing a very distinctive jumper. Yeah. Correct? Yes. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? You'd have thought so. It's a very popular walk. This isn't a remote... It's a very remote part of Scotland, but a very... It's like going up Snowdonia. It's like a bloody motorway going up there. Yeah. It's, it's that busy. Absolutely. So yeah. so we go into this, this police store cupboard and I'm kind of looking at, at the bag of stuff. And then I remember you kind of going, oh, no, no, no. No, Robin. This bag to you. Add this bag to you and this rucksack and this. And I was like, I, I kind of remember it popping through my head going, for the love of fuck. No one person carried this. That was straight away was a thing in my head. You couldn't physically have carried it. And and one of the things that leapt out at me straight away, because you have the production book there. And in the production book, at first appearance, there is only one rucksack. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. as you go down the production book, there is another production that says black bag containing rucksack. And you suddenly go, oh, there's two rucksacks. Mm-hmm. And then there's a black Nike holdall bag. Which is like the sort of sports bag you take to the gym. The coverall in the production book, just to, to buy in at that point, was a black bin bag with various personal items relating to Nigel such and such yeah. uh, suicide. Uh, so that was the coverall for uh, one black household bin bag with a multiple of contents. And there was about ten of these bags? Yeah. Maybe about maybe, maybe less, maybe more, but they're about Indeed. Ten. I would guess about <clears> ten. <throat> so, so I guess there's alarm bells ringing in my head and straight away I'm kind of looking at it from a a walker's point of view and saying Rory this is wrong mm. you know this is clearly two people and then there's a kind of screamingly obvious thing that you've got two rucksacks one of which is kind of hidden within the production book as we've said um, but it's two sleeping bags mm. now to a certain extent you explained that by saying well he bought another sleeping bag and, and we'll come back to that and the kind of logic behind that decision. Because, okay, you might go and buy another sleeping bag. But if that's the case, why would you carry both of them 45 miles? I mean, what have you got to gain for carrying your old sleeping bag with you? It just okay, seems can I be bit... devil's advocate and say, because, yeah, I, please. because I'm going to meet somebody and I need two sleeping bags because there's going to be two of us because I've got a two-man tent. Gosh, you should be in the CID. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking through all this stuff and... Um, at a very early stage, I think we've summed up the fact I'm unhappy. Now, there's a couple of things here that are, are also sticking out in my head as being quite unhappy. Um, one of them is, from a very, very early stage in the police, when I went through the basic training college and all that, you were told there, there are three things that will basically land you in the shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> one yeah, of them... Let's t- let's take them off, shall we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one of them was policewoman, and we probably won't go too much further on that one. Tick. Tick, done that. <laughs> Next. Right. <laughs> You've been there. Uh, yeah, and it absolutely did. Mm. Yeah, who guessed all those years ago mm. that training sergeant was right? Mm. God, I wish I'd listened to him. Right. Um, one of them is money. 
Uh, no, not Tech. I, I a would production. Yeah, production. Okay, I was wondering where your third one was because my, my two. Right, what's your third one? Um, I was going to say productions and money. Uh, okay, so when I, I had the same conversation, I think right. every cops is a conversation. Son, there's only two things that'll fuck you up on the job. Yeah. Women and drink. Women <laughs> and drink. See, I, I clearly I went don't to, drink. Yeah, I, I clearly went to an office where drink was seen yeah, as an normal. acceptable part of the job and entirely normal. And encouraged. Yeah, yeah money, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and when you overlap those, I suppose uh, money from a woman that you don't lodge as a production would be the worst <laughs> of the lot. <laughs> But, but anyway, um, money is kind of a biggie, and, and one of my recollections of this is there was money there, but clearly someone hadn't wanted to touch it because it had been contaminated. Mixed, mixed, yeah, contaminated is a good word, mm. uh, and it was sitting on top of um, a kind of unit to the side, just kind of crumpled up with these other productions, and it was soggy and it was yucky and then dried out, and it was clearly there. Can't remember it. But right. kind of remember it, but can't. But it just yeah. goes back to memory is a funny thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that kind of bothered me. And the other one was, which you mentioned earlier, was there's two pairs of boots. Mm. Now, D- two things. How much money do you think there was there? A couple hundred quid. Really? As much as that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it raised big alarm bells with me from the point of view of the fact it's enough money it would land you really in the shit. So maybe if the, it maybe the change from Taiso and the and the, yeah. the the sleeping bag. Yeah, okay. but certainly the, the, it's someone who has has, mm-hmm. and it was paper money. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that kind of bothered me. Um, the two pairs of boots. Mm-hmm. Now this bothers me because there's there's a, a bit of a internal battle going on between my brain cells here. Because on one side there's curiosity, thinking what's this all about, and then the other side there is we're fucking up a crime scene because okay. at some point <clears throat> someone's going to have to. Okay. dive in and save the day here so I was very conscious and I remember saying to you a couple of times um, listen Rory this is a crime scene it's got to be a crime scene this is this is not right and everything we do here is destroying evidence because we are contaminating it by going through it um, mm. and I, I, that sticks in my head bringing that one up more than once and as as I've, I said in, in the previous episode my brain was all about Piglet yeah. reported as suicide uh, yes, there's some dubiated, but as you're saying, as as we are looking, as you're saying about your hill walking, as you're saying about crime scene, I'm, I'm brought right back to the moment I walked towards the tent. Yeah. And my initial reaction as a cop in uniform, walking towards something, saying to the controller, two man tent, only one skeleton, too much kit. Mm. That's my exact words, which were immediately forgotten until me and you went back into the garage. Yeah. So. I wish to this day I'd jotted down the brands and the sizes of the boots, but I just remember holding them up and going, oh, it's two people. Okay. I know it's two people because it's two <clears throat> different sizes of boots. I I deliberately stayed away from the boots. I skirted over it in, in the previous episode. The reason behind that is because my, my brain is not 100% convinced. Mm. I, I have a picture in my head of, of two sets of shoes. If someone was to put me under oath and say, was it two sets of boots? Was it a pair of running shoes? Was it size nine and size eleven? I can't, I can't, I can't get it back out of my head. Okay, so the, as it will come out, there is actually a photograph. Okay. So and and I'll come into why in a little bit, but another thing that's popping into my head here is one pair of boots are brand new. Okay. And as we start going through one of the contents of one of the bags, and there's a rucksack there that's that's not been unpacked. 
mm -hmm. and we're going through it. Mm -hmm. It's going through my head that there's another reason there are two people here. And, and it's something that I think only comes about from experience of walking in the mountains because we have our, our person who we know about. Mm -hmm. What's his name again? Nigel. We've got Nigel. Right, Nigel clearly knows his shit because he has stuff made by good brands. Patagonia is the one that sticks in my I remember for, that as well. Yeah. There was Bear Case and yeah. Patagonia is what I remember. Yeah. Decent boots, used, <clears throat> broken in. Mm -hmm. I'm, um, a, I'm a Monroe Climber. I'm a Monroe Climber. And then there is other stuff that's cheap shit bought by someone who doesn't go walking, but is like talked into it by their buddies, so they walk into Blacks or something the, the weekend before. Okay. And walk I, around I, and just grab stuff off shelves. Okay. That's that's the way I would describe it. I'm not saying that's spot on, but it's my recollection of it is that there was a definite divide. There was nothing in between. It was either sort of cheap shit. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying blacks is cheap mm -hmm. shit. I don't want to get sued by blacks, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is more budget than yeah. than yeah. And then you've got your experienced hill walker mm -hmm. stuff with the the decent pair of boots, broken mm -hmm. and worn, and you've got this new stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at it and I just saying, "There's definitely two folk here." But at the same time, and I can picture myself. I've got the door off to the right hand side here. You're off, kind of at my two o'clock position, going through a different bag, and you're still focused and. The piglet, piglet. piglet, it's my only focus. And um, the money is off to my right mm -hmm. on top of this. I can't remember exactly what it was on top of, but I wouldn't say there's, there's something like a table. There. And just, just to reiterate, it's odd that there's money there because the money should be in the safe in the police office. Yeah, I mean, really so it's odd. odd it's odd that it's in the hard production store. And it's not even in a bag, it's yeah, just sitting yeah, it, there. It should be amongst yeah, all this stuff. Correct. It, it, it's, it's evidence that needs protected. And then the kind mm. of, I suppose, the. the the real kind of um, problem that then arises is with the sleeping bag. Because there's still all this other stuff around, there's still all these alarm bells, and I could go through it all in detail. The noose, is, the noose could, could help oh, me with the colour. Oh. Was it blue or red? I want to say red. And I want to say blue, which is perfect because, as you say, yeah, what that tells us is there was a noose. There's a noose. And that two people seen it. Now, this noose is... <clears throat> is it's funny how, how memory works and I suppose it's my background because the thing that sticks in my head about it is it's, it's like paracord so paracord yeah, yeah. is like kind of to, to me it's professional hill climbing rope that nylon stuff that yeah. you would recognise it as soon as you've seen it but my, my memory is it's it's knotted in a hangman's knot but cut very short stubby yes so it, if I was to kind of sum that one up I would say it's like something it's not an ornament it's not like a stupid little key ring thing no, it, it's a proper full-size It's round, proper full-size yeah. neck. You could put it around your neck. You could strangle someone with it, but it's not long enough to throw over the branch of a tree. Correct. You, it was that stubby that you physically couldn't tie it off to anything to hang yourself. Yeah. But what you could get on it is a hand to pull it. Yes, so you could have one person strangle Which another. is why I think we had the conversation about sex. Okay, you've a very weird idea of what sex is about. Okay. No, no. No, I know. Michael Hutchison, you know, strangling yeah. himself and... I, I don't, there's an auto asphyxiation. Is that what it's called? You know far too much about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, but yeah. That, that was, it was probably me that instigated that because I'm like, she said he might be gay and then there's this. And, yeah. You know, and we, we're being two blokey cops going, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Yes, there's, there's indeed. Mm. There, so there's definitely, there's all sorts of alarm bells. And 
you know, I'm probably drowning here in a cacophony of alarm bells going off in my head because it's not just one thing that's wrong. It's to kind of put our listeners here. There's so many things just screaming at me. You saying, mentioned the knife this is to wrong. me. Where's this is the wrong. knife? The knife was in the production book. You're like, where is it? And it wasn't there. Yes. And I'm like, I don't know. Just, just to reiterate, or, or to point out that what the knife was there, it was in a different store. It was in, it was in mm. the actual police office. Uh, so, although when we were there, it was another alarm bell for us. The knife. Like, mm. Where the fuck have they put it? it? It, that was, it was where it was meant to be. And then the final, I suppose, kind of nailing the coffin with this one. As I say, there's so many alarm bells. I even have it in my head and, and recollection, you know, we're going back a long time here, but I have it in my head. There's like a really soggy, separate, um, leather-bound thing, but we didn't look in it. Yeah, yeah there and is. There's a, there's it's a, a file of fact. No, a lot smaller one. More like um, someone just as weak in a, like a wallet type thing. But I couldn't. I'm, I'm not saying that for definite. I also remember like a shortbread biscuit tin thing. Okay. Um, okay. I'm, and not, I rem- I'm not going to say yes or no because I can't. No, and I, I'm not going to say definitely either because mm. it's a long time ago now. And and one of the, I suppose, things that potentially jeopardises our recollection of this. And if we were mm. if we were being CID types talking about interviewing witnesses, we've spoken about this to each other so many times. We've yeah. contaminated each other's yeah. recollection. Yeah. Um, just being very honest with it. So, um, but I remember the sleeping bag rolling out and I remember, as you described it, all the kind of detritus of, of death. One thing that sticks in my head is pine needles. Mm-hmm. Full of yeah, pine needles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was a, the floor was made of pine needles. The floor of the forest. Yeah. So that being rolled out mm-hmm. and and the used condom in it. Mm-hmm. That, and straight away that's that's then crossed the line, I think, for both of us. Because at this point, we're swithering. We're saying, yeah, we're contaminating a crime scene. We're contaminating evidence. But Piglet. Whee, Piglet. Uh, but, we, we can't find Piglet. But that's the point that, that we've talked about previously in the podcast, where it moves from a no shit to a no fuck moment. Yeah. And it, it's the biggest no fuck moment. And what happens then with two cops who are in a dark room and find something that is a no fuck moment is the cops take a step back, speak to each other and say... What are we going to do? Yes. And that conversation took place. Now, at that stage, we effectively put everything back Mm -hmm. and take a step back and go back into the office. But we take the condom with us in a production bag. I I think before that, even that, that that conversation took place and we both, correct me if I'm wrong, we both agreed that this was an issue and a massive one. Yes. Uh, And this is, I think, what we discussed. If you... That this condom was either in him, mm-hmm. in the skeleton, it was in the sleeping bag, one way or the other, or it was on him. Yes. Uh, and the semen within was preserved within a condom, within a sleeping bag, within a tent. So it was still liquid. So we had DNA. And we asked ourselves the question, if your mind is shutting down, if you're so depressed that you could find no joy in life, would that include masturbation? If it was, for want of a better word, a posh wank. And then, if that was the case, would you then lie in the sleeping bag with said condom within? Not really. Nobody wants to lie in that. Uh, Or was it it on somebody else and, and 
and, and left there or, or in him or and the only way that we could conclude the answer to any of all of the above is to DNA it so we went right this is a strong indicator that someone else may may have been with this man yes together with the evidence we can physically see in front of us so raise the flag and, and part of my logic flow was and I'm being I suppose quite dark and mm. um looking at the weird side of human behaviour and why people do what they do here. But if you have just bought a brand new sleeping bag mm-hmm. and your logic is you want to keep it clean and mm-hmm. therefore you think, well, I'll use a condom, that prevents it being covered in semen. Yeah, yeah. If you're I, playing with yourself. Was, help me, I, I can't... Was the body in the new sleeping bag or the old one? New one. The new one, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, if your logic is you're going to do that, which mm-hmm. I, okay, we can understand mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, therefore, use a condom, as you put it, a posh wank, mm-hmm. right? That keeps the sleeping bag. But then, okay, po- stop there, posh wank, right, into the condom, let's just be crude, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Remove the condom and take it out of the sleeping bag before you go to sleep. Yeah, but, but, but bear with me here. Okay, yeah. So, if your logic is you're doing that, mm-hmm. right? Why the fuck would you then be okay with putting a dead body, i.e. yourself, in the same sleeping bag? The two do not do not tally. You know, the, the sort of cognitive processes oh, that's think- going on. Mm-hmm. If you think you're going to commit suicide, mm-hmm. why would you give a shit about the fact that you've made okay, a tiny okay. mess inside the <clears throat> sleeping bag? Do you see what, what I mean? Okay, let's talk about alcohol. Can you remember any productions about alcohol? Any bottles? you remember anything? No. Neither, neither can I. So you, you've got to say... Okay, if he's overdosed on drinking drugs, and is, the, yeah, is, is the brain shutting down? So you're not going to make a rational decision about whether or not to remove the condom or whatever. But by the same token, again, to be crude, if you're that out of your face and drinking drugs, you can barely get it up anyway. So how on earth are you going to perform? Well, I was going to say, how many suicides have you been to where someone's decided <laughs> the last act of is going to be to have a one? I could tell you, <laughs> oh fuck, I could tell you a story. But Whoa. this is not the podcast. No, it's, <laughs> it's a bell. Falls a school teacher. That's all I'm saying. Oh god. <laughs> right. Anyway. Right. Uh, so, so yeah. Right. So uh, anyway, we the way we are talking right now is the way we talked in the garage. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So and this is as real as it can be, and we're giving it right. This doesn't add up. What what it seems that we have in front of us is a used condom, two sleeping bag, two sets of boots. Not enough kit. Two rucksacks. A, a concealed tent. And I'm saying things to you like, he's only fucking concealed it because they're having sex here and they don't want it to get caught. Yeah, I mean, that's the sensible conclusion. Yeah, but it, it's in a great place because nobody can see it. Well, fuck me, nobody found it for three years. That's how good a place it was. But it's it's a mere skip over to the hotel for your dinner and a pint. Indeed. And then back to the hotel. You know, so there might not have been drink in the tent, but there was drink in the pub. Yes. Which, which was... And a couple of lorries width away from us, you know? and you're just a kilometre or so off the West Hound Way. So one yes. of you can drop a car off at the top of the West Hound Way mm-hmm. and walk down it, mm-hmm. and have arranged to have met someone. Mm-hmm. And then you can go and put the tent somewhere that's scary. Mm-hmm. So all this conversation that we are having eventually came to a right. Shut the fuck up, Bobby. Yeah. Let's. We have to deal with what we have here. Get me a production bag. Got a small production bag. We sealed the condom in the production bag. Yes. I signed it. Saying do not destroy in a brown envelope. Yeah, and put it in a brown envelope. And before that, it was just in the production bag, and we walked out the production store to the charge bar area of Baytown Police Office. Yes, at which point I'm going to hand over to you. We get there, 
and the, the duty sergeant at the time is the sergeant that had come up initially with the two TDCs, the, the guy that used to be a DS. Uh, and everything we've just said, we don't have to repeat. I told him, and I think both me and Bobby expressed our outrage and anger. Uh, I was taking it very personally uh, because I'd already written a report into this saying it was suicide. And as far as I was concerned, I had been put in a position uh, where not all the evidence was displayed out in front of me. Uh, and now my name was in the bottom of a report that I didn't, I wasn't happy with. I wasn't satisfied. I felt that that had to be pulled back, withdrawn, and the team had to come back in and look at the evidence that me and Bobby had discovered ourselves, which was very obvious to both of us. So to that end, uh, I told him he was uncomfortable with it. He, 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 he's a good guy, primarily, let me say that, and uh, not one to uh, to sweep things under the carpet. So he did the right thing, and he phoned the crime scene manager and the senior management for the case. And he did made that phone call in front of me and Bobby at the charge bar. We were only privy to his side of the conversation, and not to what was being said on the other end of the phone. I know who he phoned, and I'm not going to name him. Uh, <clears throat> as the phone call went on, it became obvious that something was wrong. Uh, you could tell by his body language, etc., that he wasn't happy with the information that he was being told, and he hung the phone up. Now, Bobby was there as well, so he will be able to... to, to this is what I remember, right? This... He hung the phone up and said to me, Rory, this has already been reported and accepted by the fiscal as a suicide. The family have accepted that. The guy had depression. Let's not rock the boat. Let's sleep in dog's life. Yes, indeed. Correct? Indeed. In different wording? Or, and I mean, that's, am, I, am I trying to remember that? or No, I think you have it pretty much spot on. Right, okay. We walked away. And it was a bit of a kind of verbal slap on the wrist. Yeah, yeah, don't rock the boat. <clears throat> that, that was said, don't rock the boat. Now, we walked away. We went through to a different part of the police office. We realised that we were in trouble. Or We have a decision to make at that point. Uh, and we have to deal with things as they're happening in front of us. So what, you're in one big team, it's very hard to explain or to justify uh, my actions from this point on. Well, I but, think for every cop, <clears throat> there's there's so much in embedded in you for years and years. And at this stage, you know, we're both well into double figures, police service-wise. I'm, um, I'm pushing <clears throat> towards promotion. I'm blue-eyed boy. I can do no wrong. So there is a big part of, A, don't rock the boat, but also don't land your colleagues in the ship. Yes. And and basically what I'm saying is every cop up there has made a roaring fucking arse of this. Yeah. yeah and... and and that's okay, but don't land it on my fucking desk mm. and say, crack on, son. You cover up our incompetency. So I'm angry, you're angry. We realise that we're on our own. We bag and tag the condom. We put it in an envelope. Uh, to cut a short story short, uh, a long story short, we speak to the production keeper who's a civilian and say, this goes into the freezer in the police office. It does not get given to anybody. It does not get destroyed. Uh, if anybody comes asking for it, uh, you tell us. And I lodged it in the production book as a condom with semen in it and who found it and where we found it and the date. So we did everything by the book. We passed it up the chain to the senior officers and, you said and were told to stop. Yeah, I went away for the night then. 
and struggled with it a lot, probably lost a lot of sleep. Uh, and there there's a couple of reasons there as well. So as as I go home at night, I'm thinking about it. And what I hadn't said in, in the first episode there was uh, after we'd cleaned up the scene, etc., uh, Nigel's mum and dad came up uh, to my office and I, I drove them up to the scene. And we stood there and... Uh, it's as horrific as, as that is for, for many things and both of us have done it a lot at times with families uh, and he's <coughs> a wee daffodil uh, cross crucifix and she laid it and I showed them where her, her son had been recovered uh, and it was as emotional as horrible as you can imagine that is uh, but now, now now I'm standing there knowing that I've said to this woman uh, your son took his own life and now I've got serious questions over that Yes. And and if, if I was to say to you, your son, or God forbid, one of your children's taken their own life, well, you're going to question yourself as a parent at that point eh, and think, what could I have done better or, or what did I do wrong or didn't we see the signs? But if I was then to come to you and say, your son has died and somebody else may have been involved and there may have been foul play, well, that, that, that's a different set of emotions altogether. So, so the, all these things are going through my head that night, and I'm I'm not happy. So, I wasn't happy with the phone call. I'm, I'm I can't just accept that. So, I then, as you say, formulated a, an email the next morning uh, to the senior officers involved, senior officer involved, outlining everything that we we have found the evidence that you you've heard so far, uh, and I sent it off, and uh, I never got a reply. I, it, my my wording was the noose, the condom, this, uh, not happy with it. What else do I need to do? What other inquiry do you wish me to do with this case? Uh, and, and there was no reply to that. And then I I, I walked away from it. Uh, and it took me, stayed with me for a while. I got busy. Uh, Nigel's remains were handed over to the family and buried. Never thought much of it. Moved on. We did talk about it. We talked occasionally, and then it took it took another incident, which ended my career in the police some two years later, for me eventually to stand up against a very similar type of incompetency and say, "Right, enough's enough here. Mm. Uh, I I can't be party to this anymore." Uh, and 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 that that was was kind of it for me. That that was uh, for a long time. That was called the skeleton in the tent. Uh, uh, and then what's well, like? And then yeah, you yeah, kind of blew back the, the, open because of me. Yeah, door was closed, box was, was closed over, and then in 2017 something happened. Yeah, well, actually, mm. slightly slightly before that. So, our careers have both moved on. You've been a sergeant for oh, 19, glorious. 20 oh, minutes. Oh, glorious. Beautiful, beautiful. It was just, it was, yeah. You've been a sergeant glorious for 20 minutes. Glorious leadership. Uh, displayed, yeah, <laughs> incredible courage at that time. Um I, on the other hand, have got over my midlife crisis to an extent, as it turns out, not entirely, but no. got over most of it. Um, no. I've gone away to the police college and I am presenting to students. Mm-hmm. And at the police college, there is a, a little box in a safe. Mm. Uh, it's a little. <laughs> containing drugs. Oh, yeah. That's not for Christmas. No. no it's, <laughs> the reason is when probationers come into class, basically, some of them hard to imagine this day and age will never have seen drugs and I was like that when I appeared at this uh, likewise I I'm, I'm proud I'm proud of my upbringing my, so, my parents for that yeah mm. and likewise I had a, a good upbringing mm. very fortunate that way mm. so I'd, I'd never even smelt cannabis I didn't know that it smelled neither so did I until I joined the police neither did I so um, there's a box full of that and what was in it which we shall call a soap bar but basically in I suppose 
drugs term. It's a bit of cannabis, but it dried out. Yes. So much. Big bit of cannabis. Yes. Uh, resin. So, and there were other traces of other drugs, just so that probationers could training get a look at it for yes. training purposes. And, and oddly enough, every time you took out show students, it was weed and then it was weed back. Yes, yes. Because the last thing in the world you trust the policeman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So productions, mm -hmm. productions, mm -hmm. a little bit of money. So, mm. um, so I mentioned to uh, the sergeant in charge of probation training, and I said, "Look, mm. can we not replace this? It's like it's the. I'm sure it's the same bit as there when I went through. The yeah, it doesn't actually. You know, real, it real doesn't cannabis doesn't like cannabis actually look like that anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's like a house brick. So um, who are you going to um, call? Can I can Roy? I go and sort out? And there was <laughs> there was a bit of an audit at the time, both with that and then the firearms, because it's safe for the firearms so students can see guns. Mm. Um, and I was still in touch with people up at Beto, and mm. in particular the production keeper, who I have to say I think both of us trusted and trusted with that envelope to keep it safe. So I was on the phone yes. one day and I said, uh, "What are we going to call her?" Uh, Jackie. No, I've called Jackie. That was the flow officer. Oh, okay. so you have. Uh, Agnes. Agnes, right. So I'm mm. on the phone to Agnes. Mm. Uh, and I said, look, uh, if you are disposing of mm -hmm. a bit of cannabis mm -hmm. and some other drugs, anything, like mm -hmm. whatever, speed ecstasy, etc. Send them my way. Send them my way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know how to deal with them. Yeah. And it'll all be done properly. Rory will pick them up. Yes. <laughs> sign through the production book and uh, yeah. I'll take them down to college and sign them in there into safe and then they can be shown to students. Good old. Good old. So anyway, I got a phone call. And uh, basically, she says, "Got a big bar of uh, fresh cannabis for you." Mm. There's a there's an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, so yeah. I get into one of the college cars mm -hmm. along with two of my colleagues. It's a day out, grand day out. Stop, mm -hmm. stop, and get an ice cream in the way. Yeah. We charge up to Baytown, mm -hmm. and while I am there getting this, mm -hmm. an idea pops into my head. Mm -hmm. Up in uh, the old document store. Yes. We had a cardboard box for each road death. Yes. Uh, or for, or suspicious deaths or whatever. Deaths, generally. Death boxes. It's yes, death uh, boxes. Yeah, sort of thing you see the lawyers have in court. The, the file box. Yeah. Big, kinda, big thing, yeah. And sort of yep. cold cases and yes, stuff. Yes, of course, so, yeah. Uh, and we used to give them funny names, which stopped because of uh, Freedom of Information Act. So basically cops having a dark sense of humour. We used to give them all silly names. Yeah, yeah. you know certain road actors by nicknames like yeah. Carnage or Skeleton in the Tent or, you know, yeah. etc. Yeah. Sleepy Hollow, where the guy fell asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Went into a yep. tree. Anyway, yep. so... Um, so I said, look, is there any chance, can I pop up and get some old ones? I'm going to take them down to the college and I'm going to show them to students. Because I, I like to make my classes and, and part of your tuition was uh, sudden deaths. Very much so. I, uh, I, I think I got a bit of a reputation for doing deaths because I've, I've for done so many. The death input. Yep. Death input and road deaths. Yeah. Yep. So I went up and I would guess I took eight or nine boxes. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Big boxes, each of which had maybe seven or eight files in them mm -hmm. of little boxes and this was done under the permission of the the, the senior officer um. uh, yeah do you remind, remember our senior officer who used to give the unmarked car to um, yes, um, yes, all yes, the yes, pretty yes, ladies yes, in the office yes. do the Christmas shopping that so, one so you asked and he said yes of he course you yes. can use that for training and I signed that through my notebook and uh, yeah. I took them all the way to college and, and I deliberately took the ones that were quite old so that mm -hmm. But I'd done a lot of the drawings and particularly the crash investigation stuff. I was yeah. quite proud of it. I used to do a good very, drawing. Very, very boring. Very boring. Yeah. Uh, so I took those down yep. and I stacked them up in uh, the store at the Scottish Police College. Mm -hmm. And I looked through a lot of them. I took a lot of good stuff out and I used to show it to students. And one day... Kind of PowerPoint presentation stuff. You, you yeah. picked the good stuff and made a, an interesting 
class for them. And when I was dealing with sudden deaths and preserving locuses and stuff mm. like that, quite often I would show them there was actually one of your suicide notes. Well, not for you, obviously. Who wrote the note? Back to, back to episode one. Oh, God. No, it wasn't that one. Oh, thank fuck. Uh, so there's one of your suicide notes involving a horse. Remember that one? Stable. Stable. Yes. Hang- yeah. Yes. Uh, y- yes. That's another very, very funny story. Yeah. So, um, what, what you watched? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, there was quite a few of you yeah. interesting stuff, so, but and mainly it was road tests. But one of the folders that was in there, yes, was the Nigel. to do with the skeleton to do an Nigel. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I didn't really use it much. But then one day I decided, what the hell? Let's have a look at this one. I was looking through the photos, and much though I slag you off all the time, mm-hmm. your job. And um, also the IB guy's job of preserving the crime scene, and, I have to say, was pretty spot on. And collating all the information, etc. was... Don't uh, yourself I, As too I much. say, I have written appraisals of such things about yeah. fucking good. No, it was, it was good. So I thought, here yeah. is, here is mm. something to show it to students. So I went mm. and I showed students... This the, is how to do it. ...the photographs of the scene. Weigh in, the way he marked it, the plates, plates and all that. Yeah. You know, how to preserve, all that good stuff. And I showed them photographs. Logging the radio call. Photographs yeah. of, of the skeleton within the tent. Yeah. And this is all in the file. The, all the, the file. out of my yeah. verbals, everything's there. So I'm showing it. And very quickly, one of my students turns around and basically says, not quite in these words, but where the fuck's the other guy? Right. You, you see, yes, yeah, good. I'll let you go on in a second. But our listeners might be giving it, what the fuck, you pair just diddled on and carried on with your jobs and you never thought anything of this. Mm. Well, that's true. And, and Although this story might sound unique to you, and it was unique to us in a certain way, it was just one other drama in our police careers. Another one followed the next week. I was mm. dealing with one at the same time, another death at the same time. So your head's full of, of crazy stories. Yeah. So and- it's not that unique that you park it and move on to the next and the next and the next. And it's not that unique that it takes two years for Bobby here to open it up and go, oh, remember that? Mm. Whereas normal people would never forget it. Yes. You know what I mean? The because it would be a one-off dramatic event. Yeah, but it, it, it's just one of, of a hundred things that's happened to us. Anyway, and unlike in BBC films and all yeah. that sort of stuff, detectives don't get unlimited time to deal with one investigation. So you are bouncing from no, thing I, to thing to thing. I was dealing with two. Yeah. I was dealing with the artist at the same time. Oh, remember? remember? That, yeah, yeah, exact same time, yeah. Our poet. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... It preyed on my mind, and I, after showing it to two or three classes and getting pretty much the same response, mm-hmm. there was a bit of me clicked and said, I'm not going to show that to another class. So I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I just put the stuff back in the box. Mm-hmm. So anyway, cut a very long story short, I go away, I'm working in the States, I come back, I'm very unhappy with Police Scotland as it was reformed. I'm very unhappy with corruption within the police. Mm-hmm. I'm just fed up with the way senior officers are, anything they do wrong is ignored. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas cops are just jumped on all the time, particularly the hard-working ones. It seems the more you work, the hard, tougher time you get. Yeah, yeah. Um, and nothing specific to me, because I've not really done anything myself wrong in the police, apart from once writing a funny email about Thomas Tankinger. Which, which I get the fucking blame for. Yeah, rightly so. Jesus. You're the idiot who forwarded it. I, d- I never. I was one of the idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just because it was funny. Um, so, yeah. I... I, I mean, I'm in a happy enough place myself, but generally I'm kind of, I'm looking at how you've gone offshore and the fact you've kind of doubled your salary mm-hmm. and thinking, fuck this, why am I here mm-hmm. getting treated like shit? I'm about three weeks away from leaving the 
the police college and no one has even told me what division I'm going to yes. and that could mean a house move for me yeah yeah that's true and they're treating me like shit yeah my wife's going through it right now so I just snapped put mm-hmm. out a CV got a job in the oil and gas industry very quickly and said fuck it I'm off mm-hmm. and in the middle of the Commonwealth Games uh, I basically handed my notice and I'd given at that point over 21 years of my life to the police mm-hmm. And I couldn't even get anyone above the rank of sergeant to say goodbye. No, and you won't. I, I you know, uh, nothing. That's when you realise you're a number. And you're just a number. Yeah. And I basically <laughs> put my kit in a black bag, left it in a desk, and walked out the door. Yes. And nobody said anything. No. Disappeared. And it, my colleagues probably would have taken me out for a drink, but they were involved in Commonwealth Games. Yes. So to be fair to them, either they didn't like me, no, which is also possible. Didn't like you. Anyway, move on. So, um. However, uh-huh. I have a small problem here uh-huh. because in the production store at the college are all these boxes yes. that I know can't be there because mm, it's well, still a police I mean, office. But yeah, still I know what you're saying. It's not the, the police office they belong in. Yep. So uh, I'm going to take them back to Baytown yes. before I go. So yeah. I I'm rooting through all these boxes, and lo and behold, this one appears. Hi, Joe. And I'm like, I'm not happy with this. Mm-hmm. This thing's so. I do take it all back to Baytown, mm-hmm. but before I do, and this is arguably wrong, and, and we'll admit that, uh, I take some of the stuff out and I photograph it okay. with my own camera. Okay. Well, my own, my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to remember it. And I also, there's a big part of me, now I know our listeners are probably saying, well, that's wrong. But bear with me here. My logic for doing it is, we had discussed it over a pint, Every so often, every couple of months, it would come yeah, yeah, the most conversations came around to it. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, do you know, one of these days, the shit is going to hit the fan. And and we discussed why it might hit the fan. I had always thought maybe one day someone will find a second body, and the forest gets I, cut down. That popped into my head. Okay. Or someone might admit doing something. That's more of where I was going, and but, yep. but there's lots of reasons why it could come back to light. And I just thought, if that happens, I want to cover myself, particularly in terms of the email you sent, mm-hmm. the discussion we had, and there was a photograph of the sleeping bag being held up by you. You can see the condom inside it. You remember that? I, I don't, but okay. Yeah, I, there's a photograph of that. So um, that we took in the the production store, okay. and it was fine. Okay. And I just thought, right, I want to cover my back for this because I don't want to be the scapegoat in court. Mm-hmm. If this hits the court and then mm-hmm. the police being desperate to defend a senior manager turn around and say, oh, well, these cops knew about it and they didn't raise it. Mm-hmm. So I photographed the email. Uh, I photographed pictures of the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing particularly kind of grisly. It was to do with the productions. I thought, took a photo of the production book itself, its contents. Um, and the condom. I have seen the photo. And the, the condom. condom. But ah. he, here's the kind of bombshell for me because mm-hmm. in order to take a picture of the production book now there was already a, produ- a a photocopy of it in there which I had a photograph of yeah but when I went back to put the stuff back in yes I went to take another photograph of the production book uh-huh. and discovered that within a very short period of time days of you sending the email uh-huh. the productions were incinerated okay they were taken to by the CID and burnt and I was like what the fuck mm-hmm. that, that's not common not common I mean I had stuff in that store that had been there for five six years yes. that eventually you know the, the production keeper would say to me Mate. Rob get rid of that because yeah. it smells mm-hmm. or because it's been there forever yeah. and it's dealt with mm-hmm. to get rid of something that quick is it's just unusual. unheard of it's unusual yes so 
So I'm really, really uneasy about this. Uh, why destroy it? What's the, what's the point in destroying it all, unless you're trying to cover something up? Uh, and then I, I came and spoke to you about it and discussed all this. Now, at this point, I'm now out, out the job. But I've still got all the photos yeah. that I shouldn't have. What, do you know at that time, which, so, so you're prior to leaving, you, you return you return the, the, the boxed evidence that you take for training, you return that to Baytown. Yeah. Do you know if the condom was there at that point? It's still there. It's the only thing that's still there. So, so when you return, so when all the evidence has been destroyed, the condom still exists, and it still exists. Now I know where I put it. I hid it in the back of that very small freezer in the back medical room of Baytown. Yeah, so it's it, still there. It was still there. And one of the things I think that saved it is it's on a different page in the production book, so you would have had to know right. you're okay. looking for it a couple of weeks, and mm. the book fills up quickly. Yes, still in the same book, uh-huh. but it's quite quite a bit on. So unless okay. you happen to know it was there, mm-hmm. you would be struggling to find it. And I seem to recall. You know, there was an index bit at the back with the, the yeah. name of the case. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember if it was down as being part of that, or if it does, it was further down it, the page. It, it is, I, I wrote it, and I said the death of, and I'll say, I'm not going to say his full name, yeah. and, uh, sudden death of such and such uh, condom plus semen for DNA sample, do not destroy. Mm. Oh, yeah. that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's written on it. And it's written on the envelope, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I... I'm now very uneasy about this. I ponder it. We discuss it a lot over the following months and years. Mm-hmm. It never quite goes out of my head. And I suppose I'm a big reason why what happens next then follows. Mm-hmm. Because we probably could have just shelved it. Um, uh, I, and I, as you say, we, we, we discuss it at every opportunity, if you like. We, mm-hmm. we, we always The conversation always comes around to this and a few other stories which you will hear in forthcoming tales. But my take on it was this. We're messing with people's emotions, uh, their loved ones. We're messing with death. We have to be 110% sure that what we're saying is correct before we open that can up again. Or are we just misreading it? Was I misjudging it? I, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't brave enough to make the call. And I, I remember you saying to me, but yeah, if it was one of your kids, Rory, what, would you not want to know? And I'm like, fuck yes, I would. But, mm. you know, I... I had a career at that point. I was, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. Rock in a hard place. Sat on it for too long. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, mm. so um, for various reasons, I, I won't go into too much mm. here. But it, some of this becomes public knowledge, and part of that is because I wrote a book, mm. and I wrote a book in a in this name. Um, mm. Robert and I put, I put this story in as a fictional story, which of course is, is fictional because it obviously didn't happen as we said yeah. at the start of this. Um, so the police became aware of it and I was interviewed by professional standards who I have to say were very nicey-nicey uh, in the cup of tea. You know, when we say interviewed, we're not talking about dragged in the interview room and detained here. I was just... Spoken to. fancy coming in, phone call. You know, would you mind coming into the office having a chat? And I did. And they were very nice. And one thing that, that I very much picked up from them they at the time I was up in Aberdeen, and they were officers from that Grand, legacy force. Grampian, I think it was back in the day. And it was very apparent talking to them; they had absolutely no time for my old legacy force. Mm-hmm. They basically were very sceptical, but at the same time, they were they were playing the party line and throwing every question at me they could to defend the police's point of view. Mm-hmm. So I gave them a statement. I've I've called it pretty much the way I've called it to you. I don't think there's there's anything I've deliberately kind of missed out or. Or, uh, or put in, I think, well, I mentioned the boots. There's quite a lot of discussion. Well, how, how can you prove they were a different size? And I was going, well... Don't have to. That's your job. Yeah. 
So anyway, um, told them it all, and time passed. And so I discussed it with you, and, and you were going to write to. Yeah, so so let me come in there because it became public knowledge, and the police became involved with you. Uh, what what you're missing out was it became so much public knowledge that the case was reopened. Briefly, it was reopened and and re-examined uh, by a, I'm assuming a separate team. I don't know who. The conclusion of that re-inquiry, reopening, was that everything. This is the official bit for the press release. Everything at the time was investigated properly, done properly, uh, and the outcome still stands: death by suicide. The initial report was correct, uh, and that's uh, even today. That's the police's stance on that. What I would say in relation to that, when when I seen that, it was reopened, and I know under the Freedom of Information Act that certain members of the press weren't happy enough with that explanation mm. and asked and asked and asked, well, well, what are you basing that on? How can you come to that conclusion a second time? Uh, and they never got an answer. They never, they, it, was, it was deemed not in the public interest to, to reveal uh, the outcome of the second inquiry. What I would say is uh, Rory McRae was the investigating officer and reporting officer on the death of Nigel. That's me. And uh, at no time... Uh, have I been spoken to by any member of Strathclyde Police or Police Scotland in relation to this since I submitted it as a suicidal death? I wasn't happy with this when I found out. You know, obviously, Bobby's dealing with, with his side of things, public knowledge, etc. And I'm like, well, how can they come to that conclusion without speaking to the man who wrote the bloody case? That just doesn't make sense. It makes sense if you're the police because it corroborates what Bobby's saying and then that's a right old pickle for them. So I, I eventually thought, right, enough's enough. You know, there's no longer an excuse for this. Uh, I have to be seen to do something for the family here. Uh, and I had said, I, I, I wrote to the most senior law officer in Scotland uh, and said to him, I understand that, that this has been reopened in the, by, by himself, actually. It, it was that high, mm. uh, the public interest in it. I am the reporting officer. I make myself available to you, representatives of your office, eh, or to the family's lawyer. I don't particularly want to speak to the police, eh, but I am available 24-7. Anything you want to know, I'm more than happy to speak to you. I got a short email back saying, thanks for getting in touch. We'll be in touch if we need to ask you anything. And haven't haven't been asked anything eh, since, and it's gone away. Eh, I'm, I, I believe... I believe the family were told that myself and Bobby were just out to make a quick buck on this. Uh, that we're disgruntled ex-employees who have uh, who who have an axe to grind. And, and uh, God, if that was the case, we would we would have been shouting about this from the rooftops years ago, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's it's a personal dilemma for both of us, <clears throat> uh, and and one we've never seen through to satisfaction. Uh, had I had the balls to to call it out for what I thought it was. Uh, back in the day, uh, then maybe my career would have ended uh, two years earlier than it did. I said it took another another incident for me, of very similar incompetence, to say, uh, and some more deaths for for me to say no. Uh, we we can't actually hand in heart say we'll do this properly anymore. So I don't want to be any part of it. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to think. There's, there's probably bits I've, I've missed out in it. Oh, there is a huge bit I've missed out in it. Have you anything else before I go on about my wee bit? 
Yeah, just one thing. Yeah. So this is how it closed off for me. Yeah, go. So I got a letter. Yeah. Well, obviously I didn't get a letter because this is a fictional incident. But if I had got a letter, if it, you had, yeah, it, it would look it, something it, like it would this. Look, it would look something like an A4 bit of paper sitting in your knee. But I mean, I don't think I'm, yeah. I'm picturing it as I'm looking at you. So I'm I'm imagining <laughs> that any letter to do with me raising this this yeah. is an issue, yeah, uh, in any way, be it intentionally or whatever, yeah. they would they would write a letter and say something like, "Well, we've had a look at it, yeah, and you're an idiot, you're wrong, and this is why, yeah, you made a mistake, and yeah, yeah that yeah, would be yeah, our biggest yeah, concern, yeah, you know, you're, you're reading. It too might much be something about you had the best of intentions, yeah, but kindly but, fuck off, yeah, but you know. <laughs> this is what I get, mm. dear Robert Moon. Mm-hmm. If I'd got this, but I didn't. No, so. no, of course not. Um, been informed you were. Or indeed may still be in the possession of material, which is the property of the Scottish Police Authority. Oh dear. A successor Strathclyde Police mm. Authority. Mm. Um, specifically, it's believed that you're in possession of still photographic images of productions. Oh, are you? Relating to the death of... Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Nigel. Nigel. Uh, and these photographs were taken during your service as a police officer. Yeah. Ownership and copyright of these images of productions made by you during the course of your service. Mm-hmm. Uh, off duty or on duty, apparently. So you think you took the photos uh, in, in uniform? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, belong to the Scottish Police Authority and uh, blah, blah, blah. You've no right to ownership or no, copyright. You no, 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 you haven't. It's no. theirs. It's their, their photos. Therefore, to avoid any other authorised use, mm-hmm. in other words, let's destroy the evidence, um, mm-hmm. further of, or further unauthorised disclosure, please immediately return... Immediately. Or destroy all such materials and any other materials relating to any police investigations. I wonder uh, where the file is. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> These days. I think it's in the same incinerator as all the productions. <laughs> but anyway, so basically that's it. Very, very quick to the point where basically it said destroy all the evidence and mm. didn't happen. Imagine it still existed, the file. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine what that would look like. I mean, I can't uh, believe it doesn't, but it's somewhere in a uh, safe. Somewhere, somewhere <laughs> out there. <laughs> So, uh, the, the other thing I have to say is uh, is this. So, so, it begs the question, who? Mm. We've, we've got a couple of scenarios here. Now, when I'm asked about this, or, or when I talk about it, and I never shut up, as you know, uh, th- this is what I say. I believe Nigel took his own life. I think. I think deep down in my heart he took his own life. Uh, as I've said before, in terms of suicide... The taking of one's life can nine times out of ten, or maybe ten times out of ten, be attributed to another person. Mm. Whether that be a bank debt, or or a marriage gone wrong, or uh, a sexual relationship gone wrong, or whatever, uh, there's normally somebody else involved. I think, I think, I think I have to, to have to look at it, and look at what's there, and everything that we've talked about, and say it just doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. The car doesn't make sense. The walk doesn't make sense. All the equipment doesn't make sense. Uh, it's, it's not right, and for the, for the reasons we've said. So that begs the question: Who was he with? As I've as I've said before, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, a scenario for you: the arrangement is to meet up, conceal the tent, uh, have a romantic liaison, go over to the pub, have some dinner, yada yada, and move on and spend the night together. Someone else gets in a car and drives away. Something goes wrong. Something goes wrong in a tent during this scenario, uh, either during sex or or post. Maybe the maybe the person has left in their own vehicle and gone away. And depression does what it does. Sets in his mind. He gets depressed over 
his conflict of sexuality and takes his own life. If you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, and and then that does that, and then that comes down to yeah, he takes his own life because because of this. So another a, another couple of scenarios for you. He's that close to the hotel. If that was the case, if if it's a pre-arranged meet with someone else, did they go into the hotel? Did they have dinner? Did the fucking police ask? Did they do door to door? It's the only fucking door for miles around. I've done door to door inquiry for a stolen lawnmower at a shed. This is someone's life. I am the reporting officer. I was privy to all the documents. I never seen any evidence to suggest they asked in the local hotel if Nigel was there and if he was there alone eh, on the night. Eh, I don't know that. So that's an issue. When Nigel went walking, he went walking with his best friend, and I'm kind of going to leave it there. Right? His best friend was spoken to. Eh, he wasn't, again, I've, I was privy to the paperwork and I never seen a statement from him. But I do know that he said to the press that Nigel, it must have just been too much for him. He must have just taken himself away to get away from his family, to spare his family. Well, if he knows that much about Nigel and he, the inner thoughts in Nigel's head, what else has he got to say? Why wasn't he walking with Nigel that time? If you're going to put your family through that, would you honestly want them sitting for years not knowing? Mm -hmm. And then his father's interviewed by the press and his father says, my one and only hope is that my son isn't lying dead in the woods somewhere. It was a bit mm. poetic, you know, but, it, you know, so there's that. I, I, I would look closer at his, his... What's his best friend got to say about their hill walking? What's he privy to about his inner thoughts, Nigel's inner thoughts? And 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 just kind of look more there. That, that that's a door I would be chapping. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's important our listeners make up their own mind. I mean, this yeah. is one where yeah. we're not saying yeah. we don't know. No, no. I, I'm just saying that when he went walking, he didn't do it alone nine times out of ten. On no, this occasion, he was, and it was completely concealed. So all of this evidence, all of this suspicion, all of these questions, comes down to the one big question at the end. The one, the one thing that I was told would define Nigel that is if, if you find Nigel you find Piglet I found Nigel and no Piglet where the fuck is Piglet and on that note hmm. where the fuck is Piglet where the fuck is Piglet it, it, that, that's the question forget everything else forget the condom forget everything else yeah where the fuck is Piglet yeah and on that note uh, thank you very much as always it's been an absolute pleasure let's yeah. have something a bit more cheerful next time yeah I'll certainly entertain you again next time but yeah I think this one's going to raise a few eyebrows I hope so yeah. take care everyone Ta -ta. thank you bye <laughs>